Last time I went to see my grandpa on my dad's side, we took turns toasting him with a cup of tea followed by a cup of whiskey, his favorite drink. Last time I went to see my grandpa on my mom's side, we brought some fruit, some buns, and a few stacks of money to burn. After someone passes away, it's a tradition in Chinese culture for family members to make offerings in the form of paper, replica objects, and money. Immediately after the funeral, and a few times during the year, they'll burn these things in hopes that they reach the deceased and are of use to their loved ones in the afterlife. It all seems pretty straightforward. And it is. But... So, here's how this story came about. Cody, you and I have lived in Hong Kong for quite a few years, and we love this city, right? Right. But when I first got to Hong Kong, you know, I came to find my roots, and of course, I had my own idea of what it was supposed to be like. Like, I was expecting to find these very rich and long traditions and customs. But then, of course, reality hit. It's a very material place too, isn't it? Yeah, you don't really think about it growing up in Hong Kong, and it's really only until you live abroad that you realize just how obsessed locals are with luxury goods, luxury cars, and living an extravagant lifestyle. Whether that's Louis Vuitton handbags, Lamborghinis that you see in and around the city, and even dishes like shark fin soup. Right, so when I first came across these stores that were selling these products, like the first thing that stood out to me was these were the types of things that people were buying. And, you know, that just didn't sit well with me. Like my first reaction in my head was, okay, I get burning incense or paper money, but why are you burning paper iPhones, credit cards, and luxury clothes? Right, the sheer range of paper replica objects is baffling. But when you take a closer look, you do notice there's this level of detail and creativity that goes into these works of art. Absolutely. So I knew there had to be, you know, something more to it than my gut reaction. So I looked into it. In a nutshell, Chinese spirituality and its treatment of life and death draws from Confucianism, Buddhism, and Taoism. Without going into too much detail, here's how each belief system comes into play. Confucianism is a worldly school of thought that centers on how to be in harmony with your family and society. And an essential part of that is honoring your ancestors and your family. Now as for Buddhism and Taoism, their religious beliefs construct the Chinese perception of the afterlife. I take it you're talking about hell here. Yeah, it's actually a lot more like purgatory. Wait, what do you mean? Okay, so here's a very rough summary of the afterlife legend. When souls enter the underworld, they're greeted by two guards called Oxhead and Horseface. And they literally have the heads of those animals and the bodies of two burly men in loincloths. It's their job to, quote unquote, escort souls to the underworld. There, souls end up making it through one of 10 levels or courts of hell. And each one of these courts has its own judge and set of gruesome punishments depending on the sin. That sounds really long and complicated. Yep, and it actually is. There's no telling how long a soul will spend in the underworld. But unless they've royally screwed up in life, they'll repent, pay their dues, and make their way to the 10th court of hell. And once they get the all clear, a person by the name of Old Lady Mung gives them a cup of tea. And get this, it's called the five flavored tea of forgetfulness, or better yet, the water of oblivion. So does everyone make it to the 10th court of hell? My understanding is, it depends on the legend, but if you sin so bad, you're like unforgivable. I think you go to a 
this other hell, like where you just never come out. Right. So going back to your what you said about the uh, water of oblivion, I'm guessing that makes you forget or makes them forget their past lives and their time in hell, right? Yeah, basically. So kind of like the neuralizer from Men in Black. <laughs> yes, exactly like the neuralizer from Men in Black. And then what? Reincarnation. Of course, in reality, Chinese people don't live their lives constantly thinking of the ten courts of hell. But they also don't seem to embrace the more esoteric idea that comes from Buddhism and Taoism, that death isn't something to be feared, that it's all just a cycle. Even if the culture has elements of religion in it, Chinese people are not overtly religious, unless they're, you know, straight up Buddhist or Christian or what have you. They're still highly superstitious though. Yeah, like, people do consider stuff like feng shui when making decisions. And just as a side note, feng shui is a philosophy connected to Taoism. It just focuses on harmonizing with the environment. So for example, it's bad luck if your bed faces a mirror, or if you sleep under a beam, and so on. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I'd also add that it even goes beyond the flow of energy in one's household. You know, I've got uncles and aunts who won't make any personal or professional decisions without consulting their feng shui master. And more commonly, people will consult books and material to keep them in check for the whole year. It's all good business from my point of view. Now, as you might have guessed, even after considering feng shui, there are still a lot of superstitions that revolve around death, specifically avoiding it. Like you won't see the number four in a lot of elevators in Hong Kong because four is considered an unlucky number because it literally sounds like the word death. And in the same vein, you'd never give someone a clock as a gift because the words gifting a clock sound like bidding farewell, as in saying your goodbyes to someone on their deathbed. So the point is, there's a lot of superstition rules and whatnot. I've always wondered if all these layers of beliefs could have created a net of insecurity that makes people turn to things for comfort. Before we go on, let's set the record straight. This isn't some screed against Chinese culture. Far from it. You can't see us, but I'm Chinese born and raised in Canada, and Cody is half Chinese born and raised in Hong Kong. It's safe to say we know a good deal about our culture, but not everything. And we also know every culture is materialistic in some way, and for different reasons. Right, and a big thing in Chinese culture, of course, is face. It's just a way of saying dignity or prestige. I mean, people will go to all lengths to preserve their face, especially among family members, whether that's during gatherings or dinners. And I'd say that accounts for a lot of the materialism we see, especially in the living. Absolutely, but I'm wondering if this really explains why people are burning the things they're burning. You know, in Western culture, death is still meant to be a pretty solemn affair, you know, celebrating and remembering the lives of the departed on the day of the funeral. And that's typically a low-key, respectful, you know, very muted event. You know, and that's why you cringe when someone does something disrespectful. In light of how Western culture treats death, it's understandable that for the outsider looking in, some of these colorful offerings can seem funny, if not entirely in bad taste. That's to say there's nothing wrong with the practice of burning stuff, but maybe it's the form they're taking. In China, at least, it got so bad that in 2006, their deputy minister for civil affairs banned items deemed quote-unquote vulgar. So I'm curious, just what were those messy sacrificial items? 
Well, he's probably referring to the paper replica condoms and Viagra. But I also read that the burning replicas of Supergirls. Supergirls? So they're these winning contestants of the show called Mongolian Cow Sour Milk Supergirl, which is basically the Chinese version of American Idol. Oh my God. <laughs> See, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Though I know these are extreme cases, but even now here in Hong Kong, some of the paper replicas can be just as cringeworthy. Like people burn replicas of dogs too, for example. Yeah, like on the one hand, you want to respect the tradition, but on the other, it sort of gives you that feeling that Chinese people are materialistic and sort of shallow. Like they still care about TVs, money, and being baller in the afterlife. And I obviously didn't want to judge, you know, because it's a sensitive topic on one hand, but I was so sure there had to be a reason. Like maybe, you know, I wanted to be assured our culture wasn't so shallow and seemingly inhuman. Part of understanding these paper replicas means understanding how these societies handle death. This could be in China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, or anywhere else you've got this sort of culture. While we were shopping around, I walked through Hong Hum, which is on the southern part of the Kowloon Peninsula in Hong Kong. You lived there for a while, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd lived there for about three years. So Hong Hum, in a nutshell, is this chill residential area that's got Lots of families, restaurants, and like really loud college kids. The newer parts, that is. My apartment, on the other hand, was a subdivided flat further away. And where? The funeral district. So why do you choose to live there? Basically for the space and the cheaper rent. Um, so my room was both bigger than the other units, and it was cheaper because it was also the room at the end of the hall, right. which is apparently another superstition. But anyway, on my daily commute, I'd pass by coffin makers, urn makers, tombstone makers, flower shops, feng shui consultants, and of course, the universal funeral parlor. So just a bit of background for you. This is one of Hong Kong's major funeral parlors. There's actually another one right around the corner from our office. So at Macon, we're no strangers to seeing giant paper houses, money burning in the streets, and large groups of people dressed in black. Right, and we're also no stranger to seeing mom and pop shops selling funeral products right alongside other things. Like nearby, there's this shop that sells stationery on one half of the store and funeral stuff on the other half. I guess when you think about it, it seems like death isn't something to be hidden away. It's exactly what feeds Chinese culture's complex funeral industry. According to the South China Morning Post, a local newspaper, there are around 40,000 deaths in Hong Kong per year, or 110 funerals per day. Now that seems like an alarming number, even in a city with over 7 million people. But it helps you realize that there's a constant, if unfortunate, demand that must be met. Every aspect of preparing the dead for the afterlife and caring for them afterwards has a product or service that links them to the world of the living. And the products meant for the underworld are as diverse as products for the world of the living. One shop owner explained all the different colored stacks of paper. She said some were offerings to deities, some for ancestors, and some for ghosts. And for ancestors, you also had the choice of generic square paper notes colored with a bit of gold leaf, or if you wanted, you could opt for replica notes in Hong Kong dollars, US dollars, or British pounds. And this is all called hell money, by the way. So is this money supposed to be spent in the afterlife? Yeah, but apparently you can also use it to pay off judges in the underworld to shorten your time there. 
That's crazy. I had no idea you could bribe your way through the afterlife. Yeah, and I, I mean, from what the shop owners I spoke with, they basically said and believed that the world of the living and the dead are like mirror images of each other. Like one lady said this that summed it up pretty well. If you say, hey, I don't believe in those things, then you can choose not to believe because you can't see it. But some people who practice, who've opened their eyes, believe in the yin and yang. You might not be able to see it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. When you look at them in their packaging, the paper replicas understandably look cheap and mass-produced, even more so than your average Chinese knockoff. After all, they do have a really definitive shelf life. But while a lot of shops do import their wares from China, there's actually a lot more heart that goes into producing the replicas than you think. If you look up close, they seem to strike a balance between being easy to produce and having sufficient detail. Rice cookers will often have a handle and a lid that opens and closes. Shoes have printed out soles and electronics even come with their own cables. I read this article a few years back that the NYPD actually arrested a shop owner in Chinatown because they thought their money was counterfeit. I think it's just funny that would happen because they don't look like the real thing, but sometimes they get close, especially if they're custom made. As we found out, there are actually people who make a living making these replicas for clients. While we were walking through Hong Ham, we stumbled on a workshop with the craftsman there. So we came in and he was just really nice about letting us take pictures while he worked. But what we saw were um, these traditional multi-story homes and these double-decker wooden ships. And these were all filled with characters and spirits that I, you know, I didn't recognize. And these were really big. Like they took up half the room. And my understanding is what they'll do is they'll fill these things with other offerings and burn them all at once to send to the deceased after the funeral. These are like the ones that we keep seeing near the office, right? Yeah, and those are definitely some of the more common and traditional ones. I've read there's this one guy who's essentially this celebrity craftsman, so to speak. And he makes these really crazy custom electric guitars, functional fishing rods, and, and so on. His name's Ao Young Ping Chi, and he's definitely one of those guys who does make a lot of money. But you can also sort of tell he's trying to change how the next generation approaches these paper replicas. Sometimes I run workshops to teach people, you know, teach students how to make paper replicas, so that hopefully next time they think of this art, they don't feel like it's something taboo. I want them to think that paper replicas aren't so scary after all. So after seeing his work, I did get more interested in the idea of craftspeople making things for the dead. I was poking around the internet. I came across this one site called Skia, I think, S-K-E-A. So they're based in Taiwan and they make premium replicas. So we're talking luxury condos that look like model show homes. They've got scale DSLR cameras and they even have entire convenience stores for people who love to shop when they were alive. Yeah, I remember you showing me that the other day. If you're looking at their website, it's bright and colorful. So if you can't read Chinese, you might think they were selling models for hobbyists or crafting. And funnily enough, if you look at their page on Facebook, it's listed as an arts and crafts store in Taipei. That's probably because Facebook doesn't have a category for a business like this. Understandable. But I have to say, they really do some nice stuff. But I still couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, 
Why would somebody buy an iPhone, sorry, S phone in their case, that sells for almost a sixth the price of the real thing just to burn it? As outsiders looking in, it's easy for us to forget the bigger context and we only see the brightest and flashiest parts. Back in August, we looked out of our office window to see a local football pitch across the street suddenly deserted. Over the course of a few days, we started seeing truckloads of hardware and people setting up temporary structures. Turns out, it was that time of year again, the Hungry Ghost Festival. Remember how I said Chinese culture is all about respecting your elders and your ancestors? Well, that is true to the point that they pay tribute on two other occasions, the Qingming Festival in the spring and the Chongyang Festival in the fall. But what makes the Hungry Ghost Festival different is that the world of the dead is visiting the world of the living. On the 15th day of the seventh month in the Chinese calendar, it's believed that the gates of the underworld open up. And the ghosts that come out are believed to be the ancestors of people who forgot to pay tribute or who never got a proper send-off. So people basically get together, they burn stuff, they offer food, and they put on Chinese opera shows to feed and entertain them. It's a very interesting vibe because it's about death, but it's still very festive. And these festivals are widespread, like they're anywhere you've got a Chinese population. Cody, you went to one in Singapore too, right? What was that like? Well, it was sort of the same. It had all the similar festivities with the addition of a dinner followed by an auction where people would auction things off like really expensive whiskey, bicycles, art, and all proceeds would go back to that food and some of the money would go to like a social cause. And these dinners are huge and they happen all across the country. But I think what's interesting is that as a festival, it's meant to not just respect your own ancestors, but others too. I mean, I can't say I've seen so many people going out of their way to hand out stuff on the street, but it's cool the burning stuff for other dead people. That, or they're afraid of being haunted. Yeah, I, and actually on that note, you know all that stuff we bought for this story for the photos? Yeah. So one of the ladies actually told me we can't throw it out and we have to burn it all. Oh yeah, and what's the significance of that? So I don't know what the consequences of throwing them out is, but if we burn it and we don't really associate a name with it, we're not saying it to one person, but we're actually sending it to everyone. So it kind of becomes an open donation. So I guess we'll have to get the old lighter fluid ready then. I guess, yeah. After visiting all the shops and the festival and actually buying and burning some replicas ourselves, it suddenly made more sense. These replicas were just one highly visible part of how Chinese culture viewed death and respecting ancestors. But while looking for the obvious specimens to shoot photos for this story, the cars, the houses, the knockoff electronics, I came across one replica that changed how I saw everything. I was walking through my local market, picking up some vegetables after work. It was on the second floor of this public building and there were rows and rows of stalls. Some of them are selling dried goods and some were selling imported things. And some were of course selling these replicas. So what I saw, I guess it kind of hit me. It was a small bright blue backpack. Now you don't want to imagine for a second why someone would need this, this tiny little backpack. You just need to understand that there is someone who does. So Nate, what have we concluded about these replicas? I mean, I think it's safe to say that a lot of Chinese people believe that there's a connection between the world of the living and the dead. 
Totally. And more importantly, how they treat that connection is still really personal. I mean, for all we know, someone is picturing in the back of their head their loved one driving this fancy car in the great beyond, whatever that looks like. Right. Or they could be burning something that they couldn't get for someone in real life. Like, I couldn't get you this fancy home, but I can now. Exactly, or whatever it is people value highly today. Like back in the day, they were still probably sending imitation money, gold ingots, and houses just the same. I guess you could say the form they've taken has changed as all. So to put it into today's words and really simplify things, would it be accurate to say burning replicas is just the platform for sharing things with the dead? I'd say that'd be accurate. And that's if you or your family even use that platform. Yeah. So to go out on a light note, if you or someone you know believes in that connection and you're burning something, make sure you do your due diligence. Make sure the receiver actually knows how to use that iPhone you're burning. And last and most importantly, make sure to burn that charger too. 